Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Well, hello, Melissa. Hello. So, uh, Melissa Edwards, a um, person that I've been dying to meet for centuries. <laughs> uh, you have you have so many hats. Um, you are a wonderful agent, even though you're not taking picture book authors at the moment. <laughs> True. Uh, yes, and you also have at least two businesses that I know about. Just the two. Just the two. Yeah. And, and you also are a barbell thrower or something, or you were once. Yes. <laughs> Kettlebells, but yes. Yeah. So when you, when you get angry with an editor at some publishing, you say either publish this book or I'm going to throw a kettle drum at you. <laughs> that would be something. Well, I hurt myself throwing all those kettlebells after a while. Actually, I'm going to the doctor today to hear about all the ways I hurt myself from weightlifting, but um, but now if I get angry with an editor, I go on the spin bike and just let my feelings come out through spinning. It's a little bit, uh, cathartic for me, maybe not for the editors. Okay. So listen, I forgot to introduce myself. Um, oh, yeah. happens all the time. I'm so excited to meet you. Uh, hi, Melissa Edwards. Hello. Uh, does anybody call you Mel? My parents do. Can I call you Mel? Sure. We're both Mel's on this call. Yeah, you can call me Melissa, but that, that would be a first. <laughs> Actually, okay, remind me to talk about Melissa, Mel as Melissa for, for a moment. But I have to introduce myself. In the meantime, I am Mel Rosenberg, and I am the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. You see, I remembered all that. That's a mouthful of a handful. And I'm here with the wonderful agent, Melissa Edwards. Um, so um, let's start with how we were introduced to each other through an incredible children's author named B. Birdsong, who was on the show about five months ago and told this incredible story that I really didn't believe. Um, And thousands of people have been asking me, Mel, is that really true? So Melissa, how did uh, B. become one of your um, clients? The truth. I remember where I was when I read her query. I was at a coffee shop in Brooklyn Heights called Vineapple. And I used to work there a lot when I lived in Brooklyn Heights and worked from home. And it's really just an incredible little shop. And I read, I will be fierce while I was going through queries. And I remember thinking, this is a picture book. This is exactly the way it needs to be. It should exist tomorrow. And I contacted her and said, let's go. And here we are so many books later. And selling that book was a joy and working with B has been a joy and it, it worked out so completely the way it should have. It looks exactly the way it should. And it is the book it needs to be. It's a book it should be. Okay. But this is a little bit uh, Michigan you see, because uh, people believe that agents don't read queries. And um, according to B, you weren't even open to picture books. 
but she saw something you posted on Twitter that you're looking for stories about the um, strong women that persevere. Yeah. Is, is, this, is this true? It is 100% true. Um, yeah, it was the right after uh, she persisted when, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly then. And I did write that as a manuscript wish list request. And it's just a perfect book. Even if I'm not looking for picture books, it's, it is a perfect book. So it's one, it's one of my favorite and, and people watching us or listening. Uh, if you hear one of my 80 interviews, listen to Bee Birdsong. She's, she's delightful. And actually I'm really disappointed because she, she told exactly the same story. So you read it, even though you were not ostensibly open to picture books. Yeah. It, it do you have many picture book authors? Is that why you're closed? Or is picture book not an issue anymore? It's not a business anymore. Um, it, it's a wonderful business. It is a bulk business. So picture books, specifically picture book authors versus picture book author illustrators or just illustrators, the advances are moderate for picture book authors and they write a lot of them. So in order to make the kind of investment of my time that I would have to make in a picture book author, it it needs to come back in numbers. And Mm -hmm. so if you, if I had too many picture book authors on my list, I wouldn't be able to dedicate enough time to all of them for the number of books that they all write that then lead to enough money to make it worth it. So I have, a couple of picture book authors on my list and they're reasonably prolific and that makes my investment in them and their investment in me worthwhile for both of us. Okay. So yeah, it makes, it makes too much sense actually. Um, It makes dollars and cents. So this is something that I've been learning um, in the past months, interviewing agents and then interviewing editors and publishers who say, you know, we don't care if it's an author that doesn't know how to draw. Most good authors don't know how to draw and most good illustrators don't know how to write. Yeah. But, and then I was interviewing another agent whose name I will not uh, divulge, the one from Staten Island, but I'm not going to say who it is. And and he inferred, no, I inferred, he implied that um, it's a money issue. Yeah. And that's, well, so now we're, we're at an oive juncture because... I thought that you guys, you're the gatekeepers of the most important literature in the world, which is the literature which you, which you read to your child when they're four years old or five, that mold their lives. True. I can still remember sitting with my daddy. Daddy's gone. But I remember the Madeline moments. And when he was almost 90 years old, I'm going to start crying in a minute, oh, no. and couldn't speak. We got him, the four kids, to recite two months before he died, Madeline together with us, and he remembers. So for me, picture books, I shouldn't say this as a, as a Jewish person, perhaps, are, are the holy grail of literature. <laughs> they, they brand you for life. Mel, it was never the same after Madeline or the other books I read as a young child. And you want to tell me that it's a money thing? Well, yes, because... This is my job. And it's it's the way I pay for rent 
and it's the way I pay for that coffee at the coffee shop. And it's the way I can continue doing this and making books for years mm-hmm. to come. And if I don't do it for money, then I can't do it anymore. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's one of the most frustrating things about publishing that we're all doing this for passion for reading. We love reading. We have loved reading since we were children. We, we feel so strongly about books at the same time, we are doing something in the hopes that it makes money, not just for us, but for the authors and then for the publishing company. Cause if the publishing company can't make money, then they will cease to exist. Okay, so- hold your unicorns here because in my previous life, I was an inventor and I'm going to invent a solution. Okay. When I, when I started to take this seriously a few years ago and I discovered that agents only get 15% and it's all on contingency. Yep. I said, this is a real Michigas. <laughs> like I, I would pay you a whole lot more because, geez, how much work do you guys do? Well, I mean, with I, pennies on the hour at this point for most things. It's unbelievable. Let's go through this, Melissa, for the, for the people in the audience who, oh, no. who, um, who little agents. Um, how many, how many um, submissions do you get a month? I don't know the answer to that exactly. Probably uh, 10 to 15 queries a day. Okay. Is- all right. And, and, and um, t- let's say you get 10 a day, that's uh, 300, 300, a month, 300 a month, and only 3,600 queries a year. Normal. Yeah. How many, and, and you're an established agent, you're not even accepting picture book authors right now, which is a good reason to interview you. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, like, it, it's, we don't have to, it's not, not going to be personal here, you know. Yeah. Uh, I write picture books and all my friends write picture books. And you're not in that business right now, and that's okay. So you, you get 3,500 manuscripts a year. How many do you take on as customers? As clients? So yeah. first, the first hurdle is how many do I request? So ver- obviously, picture books come in usually with the full included. But for um, anything older or longer than picture books, you have to request the full. So of the 300 a month, I would say I request maybe 10, 20, maybe. Um, And then how many people do I sign a year? Two, three, depends on the year. Um, And obviously when I was building the list out, building my list out, there were Maybe I signed more in a year because I was hungrier and had more bandwidth. And now that I'm a few years in at this point, I have to be a little bit more choosy with my time because the bulk of my time has to go to my existing authors. Yeah. So established agents like yourself, um, except one out of a thousand submissions at the end of the day, those are the odds yeah. that authors uh, have to fight against. And I am in favor of more authors being that one in a thousand or at least striving to be. I, don't, I haven't figured out exactly how to do that, but maybe after the show, you'll come on for a few minutes and we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. I'm an inventor. I have an idea. Um, but people should know that the odds are incredibly against the authors. And if there were a way, if there were a way, there were an agent could say, there is a, a number. Like when, when I have a court case and you are a lawyer, Okay. And I come to you and I say, Melissa, I'm actually going to call you Attorney Edwards for a moment. Um, would you handle this case for me on contingency? I'd say uh, no. 
You'd say no. And if you were to say yes, if you're one of these Michigan lawyers, you would take between a third and a half yeah. of the money. True. But more likely, I would say, pay me a retainer and I'll work for you via, for out, via hours, for, for hours. Um, and if there is a reality in which agents could work on an hourly basis, but it would then be impossible for authors who do not have as much money to be signed. So that, that, that now you're talking something that can be solved. And I'm not going to tell everybody. I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. Okay. But, but, this but, but, is something but, I think about all the time. So it's, this is not this, like this, this question, the fact that literary agents are unhirable. You can't open the, like the new version of the yellow pages. You can't open the, the internet's version of the yellow pages and hire a literary agent, which is a fact that a lot of people find shocking. So especially, especially rich people, which I think is kind of funny, uh, because at a certain level of wealth, there is the expectation that that money can solve anything, which is true in a lot of ways. Like you can throw money at a lot of problems, but you really can't throw money at hiring a literary agent. Hold on. Hold your hippopotamus for a moment. Got it. OK, so you, you, you sort of can. Oh, so no. Yes, you can. There's, there, there's, look, I'm, I'm on the writer's side, okay? Writers can spend a lot of money doing the wrong thing. And yes, until yes. I went to the SCBWI in New York seven years ago, um, I made every mistake in the books. I can write a book about how not to be a children's author. And I'm, the, the, part of what I'm doing now is to try and yeah. educate people not to make those mistakes, or at least to make other mistakes. Um, but, but everything costs money. Yeah. If you, uh, the SCBWI, the meetings cost a fortune. Um, you know, and I came from Israel. And if you want to critique, it's $120 for a few minutes. Yeah. And, and, and that's okay. And if you take a course, it costs money. The, 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 the question is not about spending money because it's like skiing. If you want to be a good skier or a good tennis player or a golf pro, you have to take a lot of lessons. And you, you want to be a professional tennis player, professional golf player. With the one in 1,000, you have to take lots of lessons. Yes. But, but there's a lot of schmoes in the, in the literary business that sell garbage to authors or, or tell them, you know, take our course, Twilights or whatever, and we'll make you a published author. Bullshit. The odds are one in 1,000. Agree completely. You can pay for access. You can pay for... Uh, experience, you can pay for, for uh, critiques, but the ability to actually lock an agent down who will say, I will take this out to publishers. I mean, maybe someone is taking money to do that, but, but according to the ethics I was taught when I got into the industry, we are not supposed to accept money for the services we offer. We can only accept money as commission. And as you said, at it's not even 15% because we have to share it with our agency. So of the percentage that we get, it is a very small amount of money when you compare it to the amount of hours that are being spent. And so it is in a certain way, it, it's a game, it's an investment game and we're playing with risk. 
And there's a lot of time that it doesn't work out for both me and the author. And it's incredibly disappointing, not just for their future, but also because all that time is lost. The money that we spent together, that time is lost and it can't come back. But that is the choice I made in deciding to pursue this career. Okay. I hope you won't decide otherwise after our discussion. But, no, I um, think so. I'm stuck. Okay. But but only the books that pay out and go into uh, overtime are the ones that do it for you, for the for the agents, uh, which makes it even harder for you to pick the to pick the winners, much more is riding on your on your shoulders. Uh, but when you pick a winner, you want to pick a winner that's going to make money. So maybe not the literary classic, but something about Hanukkah or Christmas. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and, and this is, so the first thing is the 15%. Like, I, I personally think you deserve 25%. And that's what I think. Hmm? No, not okay. 70%. 25%. No, I, I, I said accepted at 25%. I'll, I'll take your, I'll take and, that. Yeah, and then you wouldn't have to say, is this going to sell? It's, it's, a, it's a Halusha's book. But, you know, people are going to buy, you know, Easter's coming, you know, the Easter egg, they want it to be a, a porcupine. Um, mm-hmm. So we've already made a great deal of progress here. It is. I mean, I would love if, if the industry standard became 25%, but in, in the way that editors compete for authors, agents also compete for authors in what is referred to as a beauty contest. And... If I say I take 25% and someone else says I take 15%, then my beauty contest is a failure. <laughs> my, my admission to the beauty contest is a failure. So it, it would require a shift on a pretty large scale for the commission structure to change. Yeah, and- but you're, you're, a, you're a lawyer and it could also be sliding. Like you could say- you know, like what is what does a regular author get? Not B. Let's say a regular author of a picture book uh, get on signing. He's not an illustrator; it's his first book. What's he going to get in advance of five or ten thousand dollars? It's hard to say because there's no such thing as a regular author. Well, just, so just give it, me just give me here for the sake of the uh, argument. It's it's just hard to it, it's hard to give an answer like that because it it's all depending on competition. So that same author can write a debut picture book. And if 10 people, if 10 imprints want it, then that picture book go becomes like $75,000. But, okay, but if- you're not, you're not helping me for the argument, Melissa. No, no, no. Okay. So a, a debut big five picture book with no competition is probably between 7,500 and $15,000. So $10,000. Okay. The $10,000. So you get $1,500. That's Bobkus. That's peanuts. You know, half goes to the IRS, half goes to the uh, to, to the uh, agency. You're left with coffee money. You can go back to Brooklyn and have your coffee. Yep, that that's it. All right. So what I'm thinking is that, like, for the first, I don't know, ten, twenty thousand, or whatever, you should get like maybe thirty percent or something, and then it slides down. Like in so many other, I was an inventor. You know, I invented things. You you could start out getting five or ten percent, then it goes down to one percent if it succeeds, or the opposite. Anyway, uh, let's talk about other things. Let's talk about happy things. Um, so um, another thing that you do is that authors can come to you for advice. They can bring you a query letter. Uh, they can bring you a manuscript and you will look at it. And many agents do this. And I think it's wonderful. 
do the, do the customers know that that is not going to help them unless they're the one in a thousand that you're looking for? So I do that through the Manuscript Academy. So I, I have three, technically I have three jobs. So I'm an agent, the predominant job. Um, I do critiques through the Manuscript Academy, which is what you're just mentioning. And then I read contracts for unagented authors and for other agencies through my consulting business. But for the Manuscript Academy critique work, they are very clear that this is a critique that this is not for representation, this is not a pitch. And yes, people misconstrue the appointment reasonably frequently, but everyone is as forthcoming with the fact that it is a critique as they can be. And I'm fairly, I'm, I'm fairly confident that the work is beneficial because when I, after we've gone through a query and it's been revised, we hear from these authors that then the query is more successful, that they're getting full requests and there is benefit. But yes, yeah, sometimes people do think it's a pitch. So it, it does happen. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know anything about your other business of uh, helping people with contracts. Oh, uh, yeah. But it is very, it is very, and I can tell you, um, I don't know whether I should say this, but I have a book coming out in two months. And it started because I had a I had a um, a legal thing with with that publisher, which had nothing to do with my book, and um, that's how they got to know me through. <laughs> that's a wonderful thing. That's congratulations. That's fantastic. No, thank you. So so um, let's talk about you now. You're a lawyer. You know, you could be making a lot more money having people fighting each other and two uh, galamagus people, and um, you studied litigation. Just ask my father. Yeah, I could definitely be making more money. Um, so what's the story? Like, like you know, I've read, um, I did some reading. Uh, I listened to a previous podcast. This one, of course, is so much better. Um, and um, and you started out in litigation and, and you didn't like the fact that you had to represent people fighting with each other. Uh, I just Melissa, was Mel, 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 give it to me straight. Uh, I was not good at it. Like, it just was not my skill set, it seemed pointless. And I just wanted to read novels all day, which is not great if that's not your job. So um, yeah, I, I was a practicing attorney for like a minute. It just was not, it was What's not it? my did you, you articled, you went to law school. I did. Who paid I went to law school, school? Uh, at Vanderbilt. And it's a great law school. Yeah, and, who paid? Uh, oh, well, my parents, I guess. Sorry, sorry to um, my parents about yeah. that. Um, you have anything, any words that you want to share with them now publicly? They're aware. I mean, I've been now been in publishing for a decade, so they've come to terms with the shift in my career. My grandfather, before he died, liked to grab my hand and say, "You reinvented yourself," and he was so proud because I was miserable. And then I wasn't. So he was so proud of the fact that I made that choice. And I think the also none of my family works in publishing. So there is. Are this, some of the lawyers? My father's a lawyer. My aunt is a lawyer. Everyone's a lawyer. But I, um, that's what I guessed. And they wanted you to be a lawyer. Yep. That was or just because it's what they know and they could help me. Uh, to like, I, I could be a Nepo baby in a very small way. Uh, but 
um, it didn't work for me. It, it wasn't, it wasn't something I saw for myself. And so in choosing to contact people in publishing, I was leaving everything that they know. I was leaving the, the industry that they were aware of and choosing to go off into the unknown. And it has come with a lot of risk. Like as we, as we just discussed, uh, agenting is a, is a huge risk and making money in agenting is incredibly frustrating, but it's what I like. It's what I enjoy. And somehow I'm good at it. <laughs> no, don't, don't get me wrong. This is what I teach all the young people. I have courses in, in how to be amazing in your life. And this is what I teach. Do what you do out of passion. I'm guessing based on the books that I looked at from your website, I won't start asking you, which are your best sellers. That's a cucumber question, um, but uh, you've done well. Thank you. Looking back over ten years, so you can you can say Nana Banana to whoever said uh, Mel, you're never gonna you're never gonna be a top agent, and uh, who knows what the future holds in store. And this is what I teach young people: do what you're passionate about, for Pete's sake. And the funny thing is, my daughter, who's a top lawyer, complained all through law school, and I said to her, you know, you don't have to be a lawyer. It, study law and be something else. And then she turned the tables on me and she's a lawyer. I'm happy that she enjoys it and she's good at it. That she is doesn't wonderful. enjoy it. She's great at it. Yeah, well, maybe I'm she, happy she's great at it. Maybe like, she does enjoy it. She's going to listen to this and this is going to be oy vey. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Love you though. I'm happy she found success doing something that she can be great at. I have a lot of friends who are still lawyers. I mean, a lot of my graduating class is not a lawyer anymore, but there are people in my life who are corporate lawyers. And even if they don't enjoy the work, they enjoy the paycheck and they enjoy the cachet that comes with being a corporate lawyer. And that is not the path I wanted. So I'm happy to be off of it. Sometimes I look at their lives and I think it would be easier to be reliant on a steady salary and in that way, sometimes I feel like I have fallen behind, but this is the life I chose. So I'm Listen, happy. You, you are, I think, one of the you know, people who decide what the world is going to read. I mean, <laughs> yeah, wow. True. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in Israel, we don't have agents, but um, America, it's very hard to sell a book to a, a big publisher if you don't have an agent. So you guys essentially decide what is going to get published and what not, even if yep. you deny it. And that's, I think that that's, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. Thank you. Um, so now let's go back. So uh, either tell me about your life as a child and your love of books, or did you just fall into this? You never read a book in your life and somehow you had an uncle or something. How, how did this start? So I do love, I, I always loved books and, and sort of funnily, I read the same books as my father and my grandfather. So I read commercial thrillers from franchise thrillers from the time I was maybe 14, 15. And I uh, used to write emails to Daniel Silva and his wife, Jamie Gangle would write back um, when I was a teenager. And I thought that was the coolest thing, like talking to an author or talking to his wife was so cool. Um, and the way I got into publishing is I emailed Harlan Coben's agent, who is a very nice, cool, um, incredibly successful, incredibly um, just the ultimate 
agent, uh, Lisa Urbach Vance. And she wrote back, which is wild. So, um, and I was just sort of like, I love Harlan Coven. I think he, his books are um, so addictive and I've been reading them for years. And I think your job is fascinating. Would you ever talk to me? And she said, yes. And so we spoke on the phone and this is when I had already grad- graduated from lawyer at, from law school. I had been practicing for like six months and I was really just in a, in a dark, sad place. And they offered me a job as an intern. And I was like, I'm a, a lawyer. I really can't be an intern. I need to make money. And then I don't know, like a week later, I was like, I guess I'm going to be an intern. <laughs> and so I did it. And then sort of a month later, their assistant realized he wanted to be promoted to like manager of royalties, contract manager. And so they had an opening for an assistant and that's how it all started. And that was in 2013. And here we are in 2023. That was the. And you managed some backlists. Yeah, I managed the backlist. And I'm, then I'm, started- I'm reminding you of your biography as we go. Yes. Uh, well, because the backlist at the Aaron Priest Agency is enormous because they've been around for so long. And um, and Aaron had a list going back to the, um, the 70s and 80s. And then I started doing their foreign also. So I started doing foreign for David Baldacci, another franchise thriller author who I love. I'm actually currently reading a Baldacci book in audio because I still love those books. Those are the books I grew up with. And it's funny to imagine a teenage girl listening to like assassin international spy thrillers, but they were the books that my dad loved and they were the books that my grandpa loved. And so for me, they were, they were my books. I have, this, I, I, have, I have this theory, Mel. I love calling you Mel. I should do that more often. I have this theory that uh, we end up writing or loving or agenting um, according to our own emotional child. So I write picture books because basically, if you haven't figured that out yet, I'm a five-year-old. Um, so, and, and, and your, your, your um, what do you call it in English? Uh, your, your sweet spot is teenage books, right? I have done YA. I don't do as much YA anymore. So I think- where, where, right- where's, your, where's your sweet spot? So the children's that I'm selling most right now is actually picture books in middle grade with my existing picture book authors. Uh, it's picture books in middle grade and then adult fiction. So I did YA for a little while. Um, a couple well, of years. Are, you, are you a kid at heart? Well, it depends on the day. Sometimes like if, if, if you're feeling particularly fun, I probably have the energy level of a kid where if I'm not, um, running around or if I don't get to run around or like do something to get my energy out, I will like throw myself out, out, like out the door. I just can't sit still for that long. So in that way, yes, maybe I'm a kid at heart. So, um, now after this wonderful half hour of, um, discussion there's two issues that we haven't talked about we haven't talked about the elephant in the room Uh-oh. and we haven't talked about the rhinoceros in the room okay you, you get to pick one elephant okay the elephant in the room is how do you get to be that one in a thousand how do you get to be that author that mel edwards i love it says this is the one 
Is there a way to get there? The odds are so incredibly small. It's luck and timing in the same way that everything in life is luck and timing. And of course there's, and talent, fine. But but talent on one day and talent on another day are, are not necessarily the same because if someone, I'm going to use a sort of vague example that is not directly in line. But yesterday I was having a phone call with someone at a film company who is talking about making a movie out of one of my clients' middle grade books, but it's going to be a movie for adults. And I was like, how exactly are you going to turn this middle grade book into a movie for adults? And she was saying she had a call recently with her sister and her sister's daughter had the same situation as in this book. And so she said, if it hadn't happened that way, that she had had that experience with her niece, then she wouldn't have read this book and thought about how it could be applied to the moms in the situation, what the moms were going through. And so luck and timing. If she hadn't had that call, if the, the niece hadn't been in that situation, then my author wouldn't be looking at the possibility of getting a good, like really nice check to get a movie made by a production company or by a studio. And it's, it aligns here with also the one in the in 1000. If someone is happened to be reading your book and they had, and, and they had a conversation with an editor the week before about some like X, Y, and Z that that editor is looking for, or they had an experience where they read another novel and they thought, I want a novel just like this. It is the way of the universe. We just can't control luck and timing and putting yourself out there to be selected for luck and timing is half the battle. If you're sitting at home thinking it's never going to happen for me, so you never put yourself out there, it will never happen for you because luck and timing will never be on your side. Incredible. Have you said that before? No. <laughs> it's so clever and it explains everything. I mean, my life as a scientist, as an inventor, you know, I invented a mouthwash. The only reason that the first guy who manufactured the mouthwash was because he had 10,000 empty bottles that he was going to throw out. And he said, you know what? I don't want to throw 10,000 bottles. I'll fill it with your crap. And, and that's how a huge international project started. So it, it's not it's it's not only children's and, and adult books and it, it, it's it's almost it's everything, everything. Right? and that's it's incredible everything. and who you know who you marry and 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 you're, you're it, it, it really is and and, the, and I think for a lot of people it can feel really frustrating because you can't control it and that lack of control is can be really demoralizing like the inability to know how to make it work exactly. And I feel for them completely because I feel the same way about pretty much everything. It's like, if I can't control it, I, I, I hate that. But unfortunately, everything is luck and time. Every job that you apply for is luck and timing. Like every relationship is luck and timing. And if you're not open to it, it won't happen. Incredible. So I don't know about you, but I, I always wanted to help the 999. I'm, I end up helping the one, meanwhile, the interviews. Um, but we have to find some way to help the 999. Because until you're found, you're lost. And yeah. I agree with you. You know, when I, um, B is one of my favorite authors. Uh, I Will Be Fierce is great. And it's so wonderful that you you picked her out of the slush pile. It's incredible. You should be very proud of yourself. Oh, thank you. Um, if your parents are listening, then tell them that they should be very proud of you. <laughs> Okay, I'll let them know. Um, but there's a lot of other B bird songs in the world 
that are never going to have, for one reason or another, that Mel Edwards that actually reads the submissions. I'm not sure all agents read the submissions. They're trying their best. I'm fairly confident they are. Everyone and, and is that, trying to read as much as they can. As much as they can is a good word. And yeah. and 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 to and to read it in you know when you're you know while you're having your coffee in the in the coffee house in a good mood and not like brain dead you know uh, after the late uh, night news or whatever Letterman or whatever and and you read it during the day over your coffee and say oh wow this can be a bestseller. Hi, B. This is Melissa Evans. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty so, much how it went down. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy that it actually happened that way. Until I, until we talked today, I really, uh, I didn't believe it. And so um, we have a few minutes. We have like three minutes for the uh, rhinoceros in the room, uh, which is um, AI, oh, ChatGPT, Dali 2, and, and, and you're a lawyer. Um, I, I'm going to, did you have fun? Yeah. This was okay. great. Okay, we can we can put off we can put off the AI rhinoceros and have another. We, let's have another chat on that if you want in like half a year. I honestly am not the best. An- I don't know the answer when it comes to Chat GBT or, or AI. I don't know what's going to happen. I think everyone is so afraid. I, I I can't see the future. I don't. None of the AI has seemed as viable for publication that I'd seen as actual author published works, but I guess who knows what the future can bring, but like we're living in this world full of all sorts of crazy, weird, horrible stuff. If we just add more to it, the the pressure will become enormous. Maybe it's not so horrible. You know, were you in New York at the SCBWI meeting? I was not, uh, I went to the party, but not the meeting. I had jet lag, but I mean, I wouldn't have met you because, you know, but, um, oh, but next time. So um, they came down on, on AI at the, at the conference that it's something terrible and awful and you should, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe 30 years ago when a, a, a Photoshop Adobe came out and so on, there was somebody at the SCBWI that said, no, illustrators have to use their pens and pencils and brushes. And we all acknowledged that, a, illustrators use some kind of artificial intelligence when they're drawing their most beautiful pictures. So, you know, we'll leave it at this. And then six months down the road, please God, we're both happy and healthy and uh, you had fun. And I'll say, Mel, do you want to do another one? And we'll have what to talk about. We'll do it. Perfect. Looking forward. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I should ask you? No. I know. Uh, I know. I know. I, I know. I think it's been great. I will pitch my uh, my contract consulting business. So, um, if ev- just just as like a PSA, if ever you are unagented and a publisher says sign this contract, and you think I don't know what this contract really says, look me up because nobody should have to sign something they are not a hundred percent comfortable with or they don't hundred percent understand without some guidance from someone who knows a little bit more. You see, and I, I made this same mistake a year and a half ago, and uh, you're going to leave and come back and we'll have just a couple of minutes where I'm going to cry to you about my mistake. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, this has been really, ah, I know. So yeah, put all the links you know, to all your stuff, uh, to the uh, Manuscript Academy and, and so on. And um, 
Also, how about a one-minute pitch on what kind of authors you're looking for? What kind of authors I'm looking for? I am looking for something new. It honestly, I won't know it until I see it. I'm looking for someone who has a big hook and can give the pitch for their book in under a sentence or two and can really surprise me with with new and fresh plot. And I'm a plot-based reader and that is really what gets me. And that's really what is going to break through the noise when it comes to coming to an agent and then getting to an editor is being able to distill your plot down to a sentence or two and make it sound really big. The opposite of a big hook is a quiet is something that's quiet. And unfortunately, it feels really hard to sell quiet books at the moment. So just big hooky concepts for all age groups. All age groups? I mean, as I said, picture books are pretty hard because it has to be a long relationship where we both make a lot of money for a long time. But uh, for for middle grade, probably less YA and then for adult. Wonderful. So Melissa, Mel Edwards, this has been marvelous. Um, and we are going to, uh, first of all, I'm going to thank the uh, New Books Network for letting me host the Children's Literature Channel, uh, which is a little bit weird because I founded the channel. So, but that whatever. <laughs> they, they may fire me. They may fire me. They could fire me. Um, sure then, I, then I would need you for the contract, um, which I don't have. Um, so Mel Rosenberg, a founder and host of the Children's Literature Channel. And I have been interviewing the megastar agent, Melissa Mel Edwards, and we've talked about almost everything in publishing and probably we'll forget. And then maybe six months later, we'll do another interview. Thank you so much for having me. You kidding? I dreamed about it. So you're going to go out and come back. We're going to say goodbye to our audience. And um, hopefully there is an author somewhere in the world who's going to write to me half a year from now and say, I found Melissa Edwards after your podcast. Yeah. It's been Perfect. great. So we're going to leave and come back. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. <laughs>